If you will, take your Bible, turn with me to Hosea chapter 14. Hosea chapter 14, the last chapter uh, in the book of Hosea. Hosea chapter 14. Verse 1, the Bible says, O Israel, anytime you see that O right there, It's a sign of compassion, a sign of love. He says, O Israel, return unto the Lord thy God, for thou hast fallen by thine iniquity. Take with you words and turn to the Lord. Say unto him, and take away all iniquity. And receive us graciously, so will we render the calves of our lips. Let's pray. Father, we thank you today, God, for your word. We pray that you'd help us this morning. I pray that you would, uh, Lord, help me to preach, Lord, with love for you and love for these that sit here before us. May everything we say, Lord, may it exalt you and may when we leave here, Uh, May our lips give you praise, and we'll be sure to thank you. In Jesus' precious name, amen. As we come and we look at the book of Hosea, uh, Hosea is mostly known for those first three chapters where God tells Hosea to go and take a wife, and her name's Gomer, and and, uh, she leaves him, and she goes off into uh, the... Uh, adulterous lifestyle. And, and if you look in Hosea chapter 3 and verses 1 and 2, uh, her adulterous lifestyle has taken her all the way to the bottom of life. And she's found herself on the slave market. And, and then in chapter 3 verse 1, the Bible says, Then said the Lord unto me, uh, Hosea speaking here, he says, Go yet. Love a woman, beloved of her friend, yet an adulteress. And notice the next words. He says, according to the love of the Lord toward the children of Israel, who look to other gods and love flagons of wine. The whole illustration behind the marriage is really God's love for the nation of Israel. Uh, For decades, they have tried to mix pagan idolatry with the worship of Jehovah. Uh, They've compromised in what they believed, and they they have taken the idols, and they've tried to mix that with the pure worship of God. And through decades, time and time again, God has tried to draw them back to Himself. And He's using the prophet Hosea to be an illustration of that. We all know the story. Hosea in verse 2, he says, So I bought her to me for 15 pieces of silver, for a homer of barley and a half a homer. That was half the price of a slave. Wasn't much to go and buy her off of the slave market. Nobody wanted her anymore. Sin had 
took her to the very depths of life. But God wanted Israel to know. He wanted them to see that he wasn't looking for judgment. He was wanting reconciliation. As he showed them, he says, Now, Hosea, you go and you go to the people now. And now for, for, for the next 11 chapters, time and time again, God shows His grace and, and He shows His mercy to the nation of Israel many times. And I'm guilty of this also. When you, when you finish with chapter, chapter 3, you kind of uh, just kind of read on through the rest 11 chapters. But my, if you'll just take some time and go through the chapters and study those chapters, you'll see how much this, this picture that God is saying, Listen, Israel, I know you've sinned. I know you've went the wrong way and I know you've been sucked into the idolatry, but I don't want judgment. What I really want is reconciliation between me and you. Aren't you glad today that we got a God? He's not seeking judgment on man. He's seeking reconciliation. Can I tell you, it doesn't matter how bad our culture gets today. It doesn't matter how bad things look. I want you to understand that is why we're still here. God is still seeking reconciliation. Notice with me in chapter 7 and verse 1. He says, he says when I would have healed Israel, then the iniquity of Ephraim was discovered. He says, I came to them, I, I wanted to heal them. His very heart. Notice chapter 11 and verses 8 and 9. He says to them, he says, how, how shall I give thee up? After all of their sin and after all of their disobedience and all of the idolatry in their land, he says, how shall I give thee up, Ephraim? How shall I deliver thee, Israel? How shall I make thee as Admon? How shall I set thee as Zeboim? Those two cities were cities that were around Sodom and Gomorrah when God destroyed them. He says, my heart is turned within me. My repentings are kindled together. You see the very heart of God. As he looks to these people and he's wanting to have reconciliation. Look at chapter 12 and verse 6. He says, Therefore turn thou to thy God. Keep mercy and judgment and wait on thy God continually. Time and time again, God has came to Israel and he has sent the message. Listen, I know your sin. I know the idolatry. And he, and he labels it time and time again through those 11 chapters. But all through those chapters, you see a long-suffering, patient, holy God saying, if you'll turn, if you'll just acknowledge your sin, you'll come to me, I'll restore you. God has, through all these chapters, wanted reconciliation and not judgment. 
I think of Deuteronomy chapter 30 and 19 as Moses lays out the, uh, the commandments for the children of Israel. He says this, he says, I call heaven and earth to record this day against you, that I have set before you life and death, blessing and cursing. Therefore choose life that both thou and thy seed may live. My, we see the very end of that. God said, if you'll obey, I'll bless you. He says, but if you disobey, know that the chastening hand of the Lord is going to come. How one generation affects the next generation. My, we, we are living proof of that today in America, aren't we? Can I tell you, we didn't get to where we're at today because of something that happened five years ago. It's not your generation. Can I tell you, it's been happening for decades. It's been happening for decades, just like it happened to Israel. Back when Rehoboam split the, he split the kingdom and ten tribes went north and they set up a false worship system. Slowly, time and time again, the sin began to seep into the culture and the nation began to rot from within. Oh, can I tell you, God's been merciful the whole time. You wonder why we're still here? Can I tell you, because God isn't seeking judgment. He's seeking reconciliation. He, he is long-suffering, not willing that any should perish. We know there's going to come that day, but I want to encourage you. I want, to, I want to get your mind on something else this morning. I want you to see this world from the way that God sees this world today. And sometimes we're, we're, we're prone to allow the wickedness and the vileness of our day to somehow stir up a, a, an anger. And, and maybe it's a righteous anger in some sense. But it should never be a, a, a seething anger. It should never be an anger to where it, it stifles our compassion. And we forget that even though this world is wicked, that God is seeking reconciliation. You see, you say, oh, but Kevin, look at Washington. Look at our politics. Look at our public school systems. Can I just remind you today, the answer for America has never been in the White House. I don't care who was there. It's never been in the public educational system. It's never been in man. Can I tell you, the only answer for our country is in the gospel of the Lord Jesus Christ and the reconciliation that God has been seeking with man. Oh, we see the, the kindness of God throughout this book and, and it ends in such a, uh, such a marvelous way. It, it ends like you, as you read through it, how else could it end? But God telling Israel and the very last thing, he's seeking reconciliation and watch what he says in verse 1. He's urging them to conviction. He says, oh Israel, oh I don't know about you, but it reminds me of Jesus Standing there in Jerusalem, he says, Oh, Jerusalem, Jerusalem, how oft would I have gathered you? The Lord here, he says, Oh, Israel, return unto the Lord thy God. He's urging them to, to conviction. The call of God is an evident sign of compassion. Compassion. 
If God wasn't long-suffering, if he did not care, there would not be a call to come and return. God's calling the sinner to come to him. Aren't you glad today that God's still calling sinners home? Aren't you glad today that God's still saying, Come unto me, all you that labor and are heavy, heavy laden, and I will give you rest. God begins the end of this book, O Israel, return. Much like the call in the very end of the book of Revelation, Revelation 22, 17, John penned, he said, and the, and the Spirit and the bride say, come. And let him that heareth say, come. And let him that is a thirst come. And whosoever will, let him take of the water of life freely. Oh, he's calling them to conviction. He says, oh, Israel, return. You've been away, Israel, but you return unto the Lord thy God. Notice he says, for thou hast fallen. God's giving them the words. You notice this? He's going to give them the very way to come back. He wants reconciliation. He says, thou hast fallen. Before anyone can begin to make their way back to God, they must be aware of their sinfulness. Their people and their leaders had been carried away at this time. Why? Because they had sinned against God. He says, thou hast fallen, notice, by thine iniquity. Hold your finger there and turn back with me to Hosea chapter 5 in verse 4. Notice here he says to them, they, they, they have, uh, they, they've ignored grace and they've spurned mercy. And he says this in verse 4. He says, they will not frame their doings to turn unto their God. For the spirit of whoredoms is in the midst of them. And they have not known the Lord. You see, they had become a delusional society. They would not frame their doings. In other words, they, they never purpose or, or give a, a way in which they might get back right with God. They ignored God. They didn't know God. You see, ignorance of God and a carnal mind and perseverance in sin, they always go together. They had become incurable. They will not permit their doings to be framed so as they might turn to the Lord Himself. They had given themselves to the, the spirit of, of whoredoms. But can I just stop and remind you, there's a man that God has called by the name of Hosea. And you know just as well as I do, they do not repent. They do not turn to the Lord. Judgment does come. Assyria does come and, and take them away. The ones that they thought they had a, a, a contract with for peace. And they would hold that paper up to Hosea. And they'd say, listen, Hosea, what you're saying is not going to come. We've got a piece of paper. Oh, can I tell you, we ought to acknowledge this today in our world. We, we don't need to be worried about Russia and we don't need to be worried about China. 
Can I tell you the spirit of whoredoms in our land today, we need to be worried about God. That's the one we need to be concerned about pleasing today. There's a man here by the name of Hosea. God's called him. God's taken his life and he's using his life as an illustration of his love and is seeking reconciliation and not judgment. Can I just say today, if you're going to be in the ministry of the gospel, God wants to use your life to do the same thing. Anybody can look at this world and point out how wicked it is, throw up their hands and complain, it's just too hard. It, they, they're just not listening. They, they, just don't, they just don't want what we're offering. But can I tell you, there's a line of prophets. They're saying, listen, that's not a reason to quit. That, that We've given you an example that you can live in the most wicked times and still walk with God and still take a stand for God. The book of James tells us to take these prophets as an example. That we look at their life and, and we understand through, through their life that we can serve the Lord even in these hard times. You see, these people were, as Stephen says in Acts chapter 7 verse 51, as he's preaching to the religious rulers of his day, he says, "Ye stiff-necked and uncircumcised in heart and ears, you do always resist the Holy Ghost." As your fathers did, so do ye. You see, they had given in. They had given in to the, the spirit of, of whoredoms. But look with me back here in Hosea chapter 14. He says, you've fallen by thine iniquity. That's the reason the world is in the place where it's at today. And can I just stop and say that's the place you and I were before we got saved. We were in that place. And, but now watch the grace of God. Watch His grace here in verse 2. He says, take with you words and turn to the Lord. You see, if there's going to be any returning, there has to be that conviction of sin in their heart. It's not just an admitting that there is sin there, but there must be a, a, a sorrow there. Paul says in 2 Corinthians chapter 7 in verse 10, he says, For godly sorrow worketh repentance to salvation, not to be repented of, but the sorrow of the world worketh death. You see, true repentance is turning from loving what offends God to hating what offends God. That kind of sorrow motivates us to answer the call to come. God is saying, come unto me. And he is helping them. Notice the call to confession. He says, take with you words. Boy, do you not see the grace of God in helping them to come? He's not only creating a door of hope, but he's showing them how to open it. I think of what Paul said in 2 Corinthians 6, 2. 
He says, he says, I have heard thee in a day, in a time accepted. And in the day of salvation, I have succored thee. In other words, he says, listen, in that day that you come, I, I helped you come. I opened the door of hope for you. And I showed you how to open that door. He says, behold, now is the accepted time. Behold, now is the day of salvation. Oh, can I tell you, there's going to come a day. One day when we get to heaven, we're going to learn all that God did for us to help us to come to Him. To help us to come to the knowledge of truth. How in God's providence, He arranged people in our life to come our way. That one person we grew up with, that other person that came to us, maybe mom and dad in your life, maybe the grandparents, maybe the neighbor, whoever it was. Can I tell you, there's a holy God behind all of that that's not seeking judgment, but he's seeking reconciliation. And boy, when we get to heaven, he's going to be able to pull the curtain back and show you that all that time he was seeking that one lost lamb. He was coming behind you. He was in the providence of God making sure you had that chance he's opening the door notice what he says here he says take with you words and turn to the Lord you see they had said words to the idols they had took wood and they would carved them up and they would said this right here is what brought us out of Egypt they took gold and they'd made a, a mold out of it. And they said, this right here is what has given me significance in life. When all along it was God. He says, take with you words. He says, and turn. Turn back to me. And notice what he says here. And say unto him. And say unto him. You see how he's, he's leading them in this? He says, say unto him, take away all iniquity. They're, they're confessing their, their sin in repentance. Notice he says all. We all know Psalm 51. David, he sinned with Bathsheba. And in verse 1, he says, Have mercy upon me, O God, according to thy loving kindness, according unto the multitude of thy tender mercies. Blot out my transgressions. Wash me thoroughly from mine iniquity and cleanse me from my sin. He's acknowledging. He says, Listen, you come and you bring these words and you ask that he take away all iniquity. You ask him to forgive your sin. Isn't it a blessing today? 1 John 1, 9 tells us if we confess our sins, He's faithful and just to forgive us our sins and to cleanse us from all unrighteousness. Oh, can I tell you, that is the grace and the mercy of God. You see, God don't want us to excuse our sin. He doesn't want us to hide our wickedness. He wants us to confess it. And notice what he says. He says, and receive us graciously. You ask God to 
forgive you of your sins and to receive you graciously here. He's asking for forgiveness. Proverbs 28, 13 says this, He that covereth his sins shall not prosper, but whoso confesseth and forsaketh them shall have mercy. Can I remind you today that truth is still just as true today where you're sitting at today as it was in this day. God is not seeking judgment. He's seeking reconciliation. Judgment's coming. That cannot be changed. The Bible has told us He has set a day, He has set a time in which judgment will come upon this earth because His righteousness must be satisfied. But until that time, He's saying, Oh Israel, come. Take with you words. Ask, ask the Lord to take away all that iniquity and to, and to receive you graciously. And notice what he says, so will we render the calves of our lips. Oh, that's the, that is the sacrifice of praise, Hebrews says. Giving thanks for all that God has done. And notice this repentance comes with a change of desire. The confession of sin by the change of desire. Look in verse 3. He says, Asher shall not save us. That's another name for Assyria. They thought, boy, Assyria was going to stop anybody from attacking them. They said, but now, you know, Asher shall not save us. We will not ride upon horses. Neither will we say any more. Notice, to the works of our hands, ye are our gods. For in thee the fatherless findeth mercy. You see, true repentance brings with it a change in our life. Paul says in 2 Corinthians 7.10, when he's speaking about godly sorrow that leads to repentance, he says, verse 11, he says, For behold this selfsame thing that you sorrowed after a godly sort. Listen to what he said. He says, what carefulness it wrought in you. Can I tell you, true repentance brings a carefulness of life to us. He says, what carefulness it wrought in you. Yea, what clearing of yourselves. Yea, what indignation. You see, when true repentance comes into our life, there's a zeal in our soul to stay away from it. There's a zeal in our heart, not even to get close to it. He says, what indignation, yea, what fear, what vehement desire, yea, what zeal, what revenge. You see that in this right here. They said, no more will we look to these idols we've been carving up and been worshiping. He said, True repentance, there'll be a desire to stay away from those things. But now watch what verse 4 says. You'll notice the I will three times here. Now it's turned from God giving them words to say. Now he, he will say, this is what I'm going to do for you. He, here is the blessings of repentance. He says in verse 4, he says, I will heal their backsliding. I will love them freely, for mine anger is turned away 
from him. He says, I heal their backsliding. Can I say it's only God who can change the heart of a stony, calloused heart. You want to know what's wrong with society today? It's their heart. The only one that can change the heart is God. He says, I will do this. I will give them a new heart. I will begin a work in them that will never end. Paul says in Philippians 1, 6, he says, being confident of this very thing that he which hath begun a good work in you will perform it unto the day of Jesus Christ. Only God can change the heart. But notice he says that I will love them freely. Freely meaning nothing owed. He, he's the husband. He, he's the Hosea going after the Gomer. He's bringing, he's bringing Gomer home and he's giving Gomer that place of honor, that place of love. And, and Hosea doesn't just wait and say, okay, it's been three months. It's time for you to leave. Oh, no. Hosea loved her freely. And can I tell you, God, when he pictures Israel coming back, he says, if they would come back, he, he says, I, I'll heal their backsliding. He says, and I will love them freely. My love won't run out. It won't burn out after time. Hosea 2.19, the Lord told him, he said, I will betroth thee unto me forever. Yea, I will betroth thee unto me in righteousness and in judgment and in loving kindness and in mercies. He says, I'll love them freely. Notice verse 5. He says, and I will be as the dew unto Israel. I'll be as the dew unto Israel and he shall grow as the lily and cast forth his roots as Lebanon. He said, I won't just heal their backside and give them a new heart and forever love them with a love that will not burn out. He says, but I will refresh them. Like the dew in the morning that lays on the ground and the lily grows from that and blossoms and is beautiful and gives off that beautiful scent. And he says, and cast forth his roots as Lebanon. Lebanon's always spoken in the scriptures of the cedars of Lebanon. A place of beauty, a place of stability. You see, he says, if you'll repent and come to me, he says, I'll change your heart. And he says, I'll love you with a love that will never burn out. And he says, I'll give you stability in your life and I'll give you satisfaction. Isaiah said it like this in Isaiah 26 verse 3. He says, Thou wilt keep him in perfect peace whose mind is stayed on thee because he trusteth in thee. Trust ye in the Lord forever for the Lord Jehovah is everlasting strength. Now because of the grace of God in their life they can be fruitful. Look in verse 7. He says, They that dwell under the shadow shall return. They shall revive as the corn and grow as the vine. The scent thereof shall be as the wine of Lebanon. Ephraim shall say, 
What have I to do anymore with idols? You, you see the change that repentance can make in a nation's life? Can I remind you God's not seeking judgment? He's seeking reconciliation. Notice he, he says here, he says, I have heard him and observed him. I am like a green fir tree. From me is thy fruit found. Now they're fruitful. You see, when man turns back to God, God will bless them. And God has been saying, Israel, come. He began with Hosea. Hosea, you go buy Gomer off of that slave market. And you love her as a picture of me loving my nation, my chosen nation, Israel. Then you go tell them, you go tell Israel, I don't want judgment. I want reconciliation. I want to change them. I want to see them fruitful. I want to see them living in the land of my blessings for them. And yet their society, their culture is rotting from within. And God is all the time saying, come to me. Come on back. I know your sin. Here's your sin. 11 chapters time and time again. He nails it. He calls them out and he calls them to repentance. I wish I could tell you that, boy, they stood up one day and they all ran back to Jehovah. But they did not. Many scholars believe even as chapter 14 is being written, the king has already been taken by Assyria off into captivity. You say, well, why would we, why would we, it didn't end like we wanted it to end. It, it didn't end like the movie, you know, the, the guy gets the girl and they ride off together and, oh, but can I tell you, God's wanting to teach us something. The la very last verse of this chapter is the point of the whole book. Watch what he says in verse 9. He says, who is wise? And he shall understand these things. You see, God is the God that made a covenant with Abraham and he's going to chasten his people. Yes, they're going to go into captivity but many times through the book of Hosea, Hosea looks beyond the first coming of Christ down into the second coming of Christ. And he shows him that there's going to be a day when all Israel shall be saved and God's going to fulfill all of those promises. But God's asking not only the people for the last couple thousand years that have read this, he's asking us this morning, who's wise? Who's wise in here this morning? Do you understand what he's been saying through all of this? Who's prudent? Notice what he says. He says, prudent. And he shall know them. He says, for the ways of the Lord are right. And the just 
shall walk in them. Four times the Bible says that the just shall live by faith. Here he's talking of those, those that follow him, those that have been justified by faith, those that want to follow God and have given their heart and life to him. The just shall walk in them. He says, but the transgressors shall fall in them. You see, in all of this, God has given us a lesson of who he is. He's a God that's seeking reconciliation. He's not seeking judgment. Judgment's going to take care of itself in God's time, in God's way. And make no mistake about it. Can I tell you, the transgressors shall fall in them. As you read through that book of Hosea, you find time and time again... God gives symbols of himself. He gives symbols of himself as a lion. The powerfulness of his attack. He gives symbols of himself as a leper. The quickness of his wrath. He gives symbols of himself as a mama bear. Bereaved of her whelps. That when his wrath comes, it comes with such a ferociousness. That it takes man's breath away. Can I tell you when God comes. He's going to bring a wrath like you and I. Have never ever even imagined. But he's not seeking that. He's seeking reconciliation today. And can I tell you when, when we see the drag queens and we, and, and we see the, the wickedness of our day and we see the, uh, the people that are mocking God and they're, they're coming, the persecution that's coming upon the church, even for giving the testimony. Can I tell you, we today, we must understand something today. It's not the time to give up. It's not the time to back up. The prophets have went before us. We read their books and God says, hey, have you learned anything from this? That it's not a time to quit. It's always been hard. The world's always hated him. But God has always loved them. And he's always taken men and taken their lives and used them as an example that he's seeking reconciliation. Oh, can I encourage you today? Can I stir you today? That there is a God today that's worth everything. And one day, all this world's going to fade away as the chaff of the wind. And these little tribulations and things we're going through now, they're not worthy to be compared, Paul says in Romans chapter 8. With the glory that shall be revealed. Can I tell you there's nothing in this world worth holding on to. The best thing you'll ever do in your life is die to this world. Just die to it. It means nothing today. But he means everything. Let's pray. Father we do thank you today for your word. I thank you today, God, that you're a God that's not seeking judgment, but you're seeking reconciliation. May you help us to be 
that kind of witness for you. That Lord we seek the reconciliation of lost sinners. And Lord we can be like you. We can call them. And we can tell them to come to the Lord and take words with them. Words of repentance. And Lord you can change their heart. You can heal that backsliding. Help us to learn this today from the book of Hosea in Jesus' name. Amen.